Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Well, hello everyone. Academy Awards are over. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. So... <laughs> So rather than do this whole big long podcast around them, et cetera, but we have had so many of uh, people who follow us ask us questions about what we thought and stuff. So we thought we'd go back and forth a little bit. You know, my top 10 moments or thoughts about the Academy Awards and O'Toole's. And uh, we're going to just lay that out for our podcast this week, and that'll be it. So, O'Toole, are you ready? I think so. Okay, can I just start off by saying O'Toole doesn't really love watching things like the Academy Awards, whereas (laughs) I have dressed up since I was like 10 years old uh, in my finest attire to watch them. And I realized this year... For the first time, that it really wasn't about wondering who was best at things, but rather the the regal, you know, the the idea of watching all these people that you always see on the screen come on the screen in a different way and speak to us. So that's for me where I wanted to start off. But O'Toole, why don't you go first? So what's your first thing you wanted to talk so about? I find this interesting. Just to go back a little bit for a historical perspective. It was actually a woman's idea to have the Oscars. <laughs> you go, girl. Back in 1929, and I find this so interesting, it was Mary Pickford's idea. And Hollister, honestly, how cool was this? Not only was she a founding member of the Academy, she had her own production company, and she was a founding member of a studio, United Artists along with Douglas Fairbanks and Charlie Chaplin. It was her idea, and she wanted to lend cachet to the industry. So she wanted to elevate movies um, so that they would be seen by the entire world as a real art form. She wanted them to be taken seriously, and she wasn't sure they were. So that makes sense. It was a great idea. Yeah, I like that one. All righty then. Well, here's where I come out. I have to start with Spotlight winning for Best Picture. It was nominated for six awards, and it um, it won one other award, you know, in terms of its script area. And I couldn't help but sort of ponder that for a day or so. And what I decided is, in the end, for Best Picture, the story will always win out. It will. And it may, it, 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 in my mind, it managed to bring the Catholic, you know, crisis uh, around the abuses going on in the church, it managed to bring it back to the forefront of our thoughts when we all knew the story. There's nobody in America that didn't know the story. And so in the end, for best picture, the story will always win out. That's where I come from on Spotlight. And Halser, just to clarify, I mean, you know where I stand on this from our Spotlight podcast, but do you mean the storytelling craft or do you mean the message of the movie? The message. Uh, You know, it's the story that won this award. I don't think it was, I don't, you know, it's interesting to read some of the critics that, you know, that I respect talking about it too. It's, you know, I don't think it was that kind of movie that deserved to be at the heights that it was, but, but the story won, I think in the end. And, you know, if you look at the ads that Spotlight had around their Oscar campaign, they made no bones about it. Their slug line was one film is making a difference. They definitely put the message forward. Right. Exactly. You know, it was the message that won, not, not necessarily the way it was 
done. So back to you. Okay, I'm going back to history. There was a very <laughs> a interesting article in Vanity Fair. I'm going to put a link up on our website, screenthoughts.net. And it was all about how women actually ruled Hollywood until World War II. And I found this so interesting. They said that Hollywood was one of the few industries that was open to hiring women and Jews. And they said that women so dominated early Hollywood that they think they might have started the best actor category just to give the men a chance. (laughs) So (laughs) this is just incredible to me. Ticket sales. In 1934, women comprised 82% of the box office in America. The women earned more than the men. And we're talking about actors like Joan Crawford, Greta Garbo, Shirley Temple. So it wasn't until Will Rogers and Clark Gable where the tide started to turn. Very interesting, actually. Well, that's a good one. I like that one. All right. I'm going to go to that. I participated in a couple of pools of eight choices to see, you know, to see who can who can win the pools. I I lost two categories. I got I got six right out of eight, and the two that well I lost. Well done, Hollister. Well done. I yes, know, which thank two? you so much. But also, I tried to think like a white man over the age of sixty. So I'm not <laughs> kidding. I went in with that, you know, with that point of view because I figure if they've got the majority so largely represented, I might as well think like them. So I got Spotlight wrong, obviously. And that was a mistake. I should have figured that one. And you can't feel badly about that one, though, Hollister. No, well, I I don't feel badly about either one that I got wrong. But, But I do think that it's interesting that the theories behind the ones that I chose, the two mistakes that I made, were that. And guess what the other one was? Um, Best original screenplay. Uh, No. Oh, you actually gave that to Spotlight? I did. And not because I thought it was the best original screenplay. No, don't get me wrong. I told you, I voted as if I were a member of the Academy. No, I voted as if I were a member of the majority of the Academy. So that's why I voted for it. I got Brie Larson wrong. I think that movie, you know, I think the role, her role in that movie of rising up against this male-dominated, you know, abusive, amazingly difficult guy... I I want to give kudos to the Academy for going there. I just didn't think they would. So you know what? That I was happy to be wrong about that. Let me put it that way. All right. So uh, my turn. Okay. You and I are headed down to the 33rd annual Miami International <laughs> Film Festival this week. Yep. Yes. And Cheryl Boone Isaacs, the president of the Academy, is actually going to be speaking at the festival. She's the first African-American president of the Academy, and she's only the third woman. So, of course, in my little historical journey, I had to look at the other two. And the very first was Betty Davis back in 1941. And this is something amazing to me. She had already won two Oscars at that point. She was only 33 years old. Now, You know, from a historical perspective, I find this fascinating, not just the fact that Betty Davis supposedly is the one that nicknamed the statuette the Oscar. It doesn't surprise me a bit. (laughs) She said it looked like her husband. And, you know, I read that her tenure only lasted two months. And I wanted to know why, because I read that she had resigned saying she was ticked off that they only wanted a figurehead. In 1941, Pearl Harbor had just been attacked. So back then they said, you know, should we even be having the Oscars? And she said, look, um, they used to be a black tie dinner and dance. And she said, we should not do that. We should hold them in a theater, charge everyone $25 per seat, and then donate the proceeds to the war effort. 
she stepped down and her idea was implemented and that's why the oscars have always been held in a theater ever since okay well that's a you know that's a long story <laughs> um, go betty davis isn't that interesting i mean we just take it for granted now that they're held in a theater yeah. but that wasn't yeah. always the case okay so um, I wanted to say that my favorite acceptance speech was Mr. Rylance, who I think gave one of the most dignified, you know, appropriate, uh, not surprising, by the way, he's such a theatrical person anyway, but also a really, really well done uh, acceptance speech that talked less about himself and more about the art, the craft, etc. I've always, I've always just adored stories, hearing them, seeing them, being in them. So for me to have the chance to work with, I think, one of the greatest storytellers of our time, Steven Spielberg, has just been such an honor. As a face of the film, I meet many people in the streets, and it's lovely to have them. They're always saying to me, would it help, and all that stuff. And I think uh, if you ever wonder about acting with Tom Hanks, would it help? The answer is clearly yes. That was my favorite one. He's such a talented he actor. He is. He's so good, yes. Okay, back to you. Okay, mine is that Oscar could actually be called Emilio. <laughs> so there's been a long-standing rumor that the statuette was based on the physique of the famous Mexican actor, writer, director, Emilio Fernandez, who posed as a crusading knight with sword for the statue in 1928. So Oscar's really Mexican. Okay, all right. And I'm going to go to little Jennifer Lawrence, who wasn't shown much during the Oscars, uh, interestingly enough. I mean, I watched it start to finish, and we didn't see much of Jennifer, but I was Her struck by... Her fourth nomination... Well, she was nominated, but, you know, even when they were panning the audience, you know, last year they really focused on her. There's a lot around her. This year, not so much. But interestingly enough, this was her fourth nomination, at, and she's 25 years old. Okay, mm -hmm. Meryl's fourth nomination came when she was 33. So she's, you know, a really a, a phenomenon when it comes to uh, people recognizing the, the stature of her worth. And so I just wanted to say that you go, Jennifer. You know, it's so true. And I read that Saoirse Ronan, she is the second actress to have received two nominations by the age of 21. But your turn, you go. Alejandro González Iñárritu. He won again this year for Best Director. He won last year, of course, for Birdman. I find this so fascinating. He actually started out as a composer and a radio host. So he can score his own films like Clint Eastwood. And he said that he believes that music has had a bigger influence on him as an artist than film itself. Interesting. Um, good one. Good one, actually. Okay. Now all the, um, acting award winners, uh, it was the first time they've won an award. That's a very unusual thing. Usually somebody's up there for the second time or so. So I wanted to put that one before everybody. First time ever that these people have won awards, and I like that. I think it's great. You know, much has been made of who was and wasn't nominated for the 20 actor nominations. Did you know the majority of nominees are not American? Well, I, I, I think probably that doesn't surprise me. Does it surprise you? Well, it's usually a pretty international lot. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Australia puts a lot. I mean, no, I'm not surprised by that at all. So only nine of the nominees were American. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, what do you got? Okay, I love the fact that winners do not own their Oscars outright. So before you can take it home, you have to sign an agreement saying that if you ever want to sell it, you have to give the Academy the first option right to buy it back for $10. And that's why we don't see them on eBay. 
well, I don't know anybody who would put their Academy Award on eBay anyway. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure done. you can make the quantum leap that that's why we're not seeing them no, on eBay. There are some famous cases of people's Oscars. It's not necessarily the actor; it's the heirs. I don't think they'd put it on eBay. I think they'd sell it another way. <laughs> that's just my in point. In fact, yeah. yes, there was one that was sold on eBay for forty thousand dollars, and the Academy's brought suit. Yeah. Huh. Well, I think generally the actors and actresses that I'm thinking of would sell it maybe at Sotheby's, but certainly not eBay. Okay. So moving along to the best documentary, you know, Amy uh, won, Amy Winehouse's documentary, Mm -hmm. um, biopic about her life. And I sort of decided, and I have no right to say this, and I'm sure I'm wrong, and I just want to say that right out of the gate, but I think that the voters don't watch them all. And they always vote for the one about the person that they know most about or that's most written about or whatever. Because while I think it was a good... And by the way, I'm not saying it was a good or a bad choice. I just think that. I think that if if uh, if you look at the documentary and, and people took a lie detector test, if they made everybody in the Academy take one, I bet they haven't seen all those films. I'm just... I just wanted to say that. Okay. It also seems that... Documentaries about music and musicians tend to be well-received by the Academy. Either way, I just, I don't believe they all watch them all. I'm just saying that. Okay. Okay, back to you. I'm, I'm going to bring up this one. Last May, the ACLU made headlines when they filed suit asking state and federal agencies to investigate, quote, the widespread exclusion of women directors from employment in directing episodic television and feature films. So this year's Oscars, if you look, there were 42 films that were nominated in at least one of the categories. Do you want to guess how many of those were directed by men? 41? (laughs) Pretty close, Hollister. 40. So only two... I almost said 40, but I wanted to push the envelope. The envelope, please. Only two were directed by women. One was Mustang, which was a foreign language nominee from France, and the other was a documentary about a musician, What Happened to Miss Simone. Well, that's going to change. I believe that's going to change, and I believe in change, and we can only hope, right? I hope so. Yeah. Okay, can I... My next one is just so tacky. I can't even believe I'm saying <laughs> You have it. my full attention. Okay, you got it? Okay, what's with Kate Winslet and Leonardo? Like, are we going to... You know, like, she needs to go have her own life, because... <laughs> You know, this whole thing about her, you know, being so, you know, I don't care that I'm nominated. I only care about Leonardo. And, you know, either go sleep with him for real or do whatever it is you want to do. But I just thought it was stupid and silly. And I thought it detracted from the stature of that which he was trying to do when she's, you know, she goes up on, you know, during the press conference, she goes up and puts her arm around him and fixes his hair. And I just... Kate, I love you. I think you're one of the best actors of your time. You need to move on. (laughs) Titanic sunk. It's at the bottom of the ocean, and I don't want to see you doing this anymore. Okay, I promise I'm moving on. Okay, don't even, don't even pretend you didn't hear it. Next, you're you're up. Okay, I had heard that they have linked. I know what you're thinking, O'Toole. Do you? How could she possibly? Do you? How could she? No, how could she possibly have been? Okay, I just want to say. But I, ha- I just have to say what I think, right? Well, absolutely. And, you know, I had read that Oscar winners live longer 
than average humans. But I didn't realize there was actually an official medical study. That cannot be true. Tell me you made that up. No, there was an official medical study done. There was a doctor at home watching the Oscars the year that Gwyneth Paltrow won. And he was looking at her in his TV set saying, wow, she looks more vibrant than any patient I've ever seen. So he did a real study. And apparently Oscar winners live four years longer than those who haven't won an Oscar. And if you've won more than once, you apparently live six years longer than those who've been nominated and never won. Well, but he, this is, again, when you throw out those statistics that people come up with like that, we can also make the assumption that they also have a net worth substantially higher than other people, which also is a huge indicator of your length of life. You can get better health care. You, you know, you have less stress in some way, you know. Well, I don't so know that no the offense. Oscar I'm not winners, sure it's because they won an Oscar. But there's I, I certainly you- other actors out there like Tom Cruise who've never won an Oscar but are much better paid. Um, but they said, look at Katherine Hepburn. She won four, and she lived to be 96. I'm just saying I'm not sure that it's because they won an Oscar that gives them a longer life. I think it's really much more socioeconomically based, personally. Um, but then you would think that would take in all the actors who've been nominated but haven't won. Well, a lot of actors die without money, you know. Yes, I mean, they do. Them, 95%. Yeah, I mean, so- 95% of all actors are unemployed. Yeah, so that you just made my case for me. I'm going to put a link to the medical study on our site. Okay, Star Wars. Where is Star Wars? I mean, when Star Wars came out, it was (laughs) was the biggest blockbuster in in the last kajillion years, right? And I and I, I would certainly question whether some of the you know certainly the makeup and things like I mean, it they where where was Star Wars? It came out to huge rave reviews. Well, that's not true. Some people questioned it, but but I just thought. Isn't that something that it's missing? It seemed like the exact blockbuster that might have taken at least some some nods, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, I was surprised. Not that I saw okay, it, but well, I... <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, um, so my turn? Yeah, okay. your turn. One of the most talked about performances of the evening was Lady Gaga, who sang Till It Happens to You from the documentary The Hunting Ground about rapes on college campuses. The song was written by Diane Warren, and I'm sure you probably know she's written songs for more than a hundred films. She has been nominated eight times for Best Song over the past 28 years. And I didn't realize this. She wrote this song. She said she was drawn to the topic because she was the victim of sexual assault. And she asked Lady Gaga to sing it, and she had heard that Lady Gaga had been raped. Did you know that? I did. I did. But unfortunately, Lady Gaga's grandmother found out that she'd been sexually assaulted by watching the Academy Awards. Oh, seriously? So, yes, I don't think it was really public knowledge. And I do think Lady Gaga needs to spend more time talking to her family before she outs herself in front of a billion people. Oh, well, okay. So here's some of the other songs that Diane Warren has written for films. Because You Loved Me. For all the truth that you may Performed by Celine Dion in Up Close and Personal, the Robert Redford, Michelle Pfeiffer movie. Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Jefferson Starship. And Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Which, by the way, is one of the great all-time songs. 
Ar- didn't they put that in Armageddon? Yes, they did. Nicely done, And Hollister. you know why they put it there? It was brought into Armageddon by his daughter, who happened to be in Armageddon. Really? Liv Tyler? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she's the one who said, well, how about this? What? Okay, so before we feel too badly for Diane Warren, who didn't win this year with her eighth nomination, she's written over a thousand songs, and apparently she makes about $20 million a year on royalties. Sam Smith, of course, won for Spectre, the first Englishman to solo a Bond theme in over 50 years. Yeah, I, and I didn't love the performance. That, that I thought it was a bit off. Okay, here's my favorite thing I'm going to point out. Everyone, it seemed, in their acceptance speeches in the actor and actress areas, the first thing they thanked were the crews. Interesting. And I don't remember. I went back and looked at a bunch of acceptances from the last few years, and rarely did they thank the entire crew. Sometimes they said, well, everybody on set or whatever. But they started off by saying, I have to start by thanking the crew. And I think three out of the four thanked the crew specifically in their award speeches. And good for them, because I think I think thanking the people who get you there is really fabulous. So I like that about this year's awards. Now, Hollister, this year, you know, they tried something new by having that scroll of people's names. Yeah, it was names. very irritating. <laughs> I felt like I was watching CNN. <laughs> And the other thing is, in the end, nobody watched it. You didn't watch the reel on the bottom because you were too busy watching the person on the screen. That only works when the words of the, you know, when it's when it's news where people are speaking and you don't need to look at them. But you needed to look at the people who were who were doing their acceptance awards. So I think if you thank somebody in the in the thing down on the bottom, um, then you know, but they never saw that they were thanked. <laughs> um, now. I heard a lot of people didn't even want to submit the names because they thought they would jinx well, of themselves. Of course not. Why would you mm-hmm. want to, Why would you even want to tell anybody you're thinking about an award you th- you have to tell everybody you don't think you're going to get? I mean, the whole thing was absurd. All right, now my last. Oh one wait, wait. Is it is? Um, oh. Is my? Is it my turn? Oh, is it your turn? I think it's my oh, turn. I'm sorry. I was going to take two turns in a row. How, how very rude of me. You go, girl. <laughs> okay. What is it? Um, I'm just amazed at the depths actors go to for their roles. So, for example, Adrian Brody was the youngest person to ever win for Best Actor at the age of 29 for The Pianist. I recently saw a movie called Dummy, which starred Adrian Brody, Vera Farmiga, back in 2002. He learned ventriloquism for the role. So this year, and how does that? What does that have to do with the Academy Awards? Well, I'm thinking about all the actors who are nominated. So, for example, Brie Larson, who won for Room, did you know she did not leave her house for a month because she wanted to know what it would feel like to be locked in a shed? I would. I would be much more impressed. I mean, I don't know how large your house is, but let's say that it's 4,500 square feet. I would have been more impressed if she said she didn't leave her bedroom for a month. Yeah, no, but then I think it would be a fair thing to say, but I'd have to see where she lives to see if that was a real struggle or not, because I'd be real happy in my house for a month, let me tell you. I couldn't do it. And Alicia Vikander... You you couldn't? You don't think you could? I I could not do it. I I could barely go half a day without leaving my house. I could so easily stay inside for a month. So easily I could do that. And here's another one. Alicia Vikander, who won for the Danish girl, she was in a royal affair a couple years ago for that part she learned danish in two months and i'm still learning english <laughs> i can't imagine being able to do that in two months really that's amazing she must be a smart girl she is <laughs> so talented and I know, guess right? what she will be starring in that's coming out in september which is one of our lit lover selections you have a very lovely daughter excuse me My sister had a terrible tragedy. 
her husband and their baby daughter were lost at sea. You would have been your girl's age by now. The Light Between Oceans, which oh, okay. was filmed in Tasmania. Posey Graham oh, Evans, who we interviewed, she's on the Tasmanian Film Board. So I cannot wait for that movie to come out. Good. Okay, now my last, my 10th item is um, The Two That Got Away. Oh, do tell. Learning to Drive and The End of the Tour are the two in my mind that got away, that were nominated for nothing and had every right to sit amongst the things that were up there. In fact, in some cases, more right. So I just want to say my sadness and my consideration of the two that got away are The End of the Tour and learning to drive and, and we don't need to go into them because we've done it already we've talked about both of them we did but, podcasts um, on both yeah we did so you can go listen to those if you like but those are the two that got away and that ends my 10 what do you what's your 10 <laughs> well you know what i miss about the changes they've made over the years trying to make the oscars a little less long i miss the honorary oscars where sometimes you just pay tribute to these legends gina Rollins. Um, she received an honorary Oscar this year, but she had to accept it in November at the Governor's Awards. She had a great quote, and this is it from Gina Rollins. You know what is wonderful about being an actress? She said in her acceptance speech, you live many lives. And isn't that true? And what a great way to end this podcast well, Hollister, on the Academy Awards. Well, I do have one last question for you. Okay. <laughs> In our Brooklyn podcast, you made a bet, and you said that Saoirse Ronan was going to wear a black dress. And I said she was going to wear a color, and I'm here to collect my prize. She wore green, <laughs> the Irish green. What do I get? Actually, didn't you? Wait, didn't you even say she might wear green? What's the pro- What did I bet you? Is it something important? I don't know. Is it a screenplay autographed by Aaron Sorkin? I think I bet you a dollar. So I'll be sure and give that to you when I see you as we head down to Miami. (laughs) So whether you watched them or whether you didn't, you know, certainly take a moment to think about which movies from 2015 you coveted and why, and give a moment of thanks to the great, to the great movies that, that uh, enhance our lives in so many ways. When your acceptance speech has gone on too long, that's the song, that one. And did you know... It actually has lyrics. <laughs> this is it. Your time is through. You're boring. <laughs> You're rambling on no end in sight. You're boring. <laughs> no need to thank your parakeet. You're, You're boring. boring. Look at Catherine Zeta-Jones, she's snoring. You could have rushed up to the stage, but you were lollygagging. They're turning off your microphone and casting to a commercial for 